It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. But you are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now. JT, man, the Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a big day. We're loaded up today. On a firm day to talk the draft and quarterbacks and Raiders on Raider Nation Radio, the flagship of the Silver and Black, here on the Raiders mobile app, as I thank everybody who's downloading the show. You know, for once, we have a real app where people can hear it. It works as soon as you click on the radio on the Raiders mobile app. You get the show live, which has been a benefit for us because now the show is heard everywhere, and a lot of people listen to it everywhere, including my dad, who I just hung up with 10 minutes ago in Naples, Florida, and he just clicks a button, clicks a button, and he gets to hear the show on his lanai at 84 years old in Naples, Florida. He's looking down at an alligator coming out of the pond on the golf course, and he can hear his son. My son at Oklahoma can hear the show. I recommend he doesn't. I don't, he doesn't he's got to go to school, but he is able to listen to the show with his earbuds on as he's walking to school. And everybody else who's a member of the powerful Raider Nation, I thank you very much for supporting our partners our show, our great uh, streaming numbers, and giving me this opportunity every day, which I never take for granted. So we got a monster show lined up today. Fred Bolitnikoff will join us here in about two or three minutes. We'll have a long conversation with Freddie. He's got his golf tournament coming up, which is really important, and you can go. And this is a who's who of the Hall of Fame every year. I get to emcee it. I've been emceeing it for close to 20 years, and it's a big event, and it's coming up here in a few weeks. So Freddie's on to promote it. We need to raise money. We need you to golf with Fred. Real simple. That's coming up. Ashley Weiss will join us from the Golden Knights broadcast team. Give me that goal. I want this Riley Smith. I was worried about this. They needed to score two in a row in the shootout to win the game, and here's how VGK came through. So Riley Smith for the Knights. This would fit your theme of guys not in the lineup yesterday, last game. His only goal this year in the shootout was a winner. He can win it here. He scores! From his forehand to his backhand, inside the right post, Riley Smith wins it in the shootout. Final score, Knights 4, Wild 3. Dan Duva, Gary Lawless on the call. That was so good because they were down in the shootout and they came back and won. And they got to two points. They're playing the Kings on Thursday. I'll be in the fortress for that one. Nashville, early start tonight. So I'm rocking. I'm loving the Vegas Golden Knights as the one seed out west. That, to me, is massive. Uh, I'm pivoting to Golden Knights hockey a lot, and I'm covering the Raider draft. I'm all into this hockey. It's our local team here. They're the one seed out west, and they got a chance. They got a really good chance. It's also Masters Week. We're the only show in Vegas that will go live to Augusta National. Coming up here in a little bit and talk to the great Todd Lewis, the reporter, the anchor for Golf Channel. He had an exclusive interview with Tiger Woods today, which was epic, and I've been watching the Masters all morning. First thing I did is I put the Masters on the tee, on, and I've had it on throughout my house all day today as the Masters. It's Masters week. I am thrilled. It begins Thursday. I'll talk about it a little bit later on in the show. 
and we have a mock draft guest that's going to join us here coming up in a little bit, which I'm excited about too. Connor Rogers, who's really good. Connor Rogers from NBC Sports. So that's what we're going to do. And whenever I get a chance to talk to Fred Bolitnikoff, as you know, it's a priority for you. Also myself, all of our families, one of the greatest players of all time, and he's getting ready for the golf tournament, which is in Vegas after all the success they've had in the Bay Area. The Bolitnikoff Golf Invitational, April 24th at Canyon Gate Country Club, right here in beautiful Las Vegas. Freddie, how does that sound? That sounds good to me. Let's get out in the sun and play some golf. No mulligans. No <laughs> mulligans and put everything out. Well, let's get to this right out of the gate. It, when, okay. the, when, the great, when the great Willie Brown was alive, Willie would come into your tournament and the others, and everybody would go, oh, my God, it's over. I can't win these long-term Raider golf tournaments, not just yours. Years in the day, Willie and Cliff would come in all dapper and dressed up, and everybody said, those are the guys we got to beat? You know what? The one thing about those two guys, they were consistent every time they came to our tournament. All right? Every time you could tell, you could say, okay, they're going to be within two strokes of this number, and they were within two strokes of that number. Believe me. Believe me. I'll tell you what. Those two were were unbelievable. You always had to keep both eyes on them, not just one eye, both eyes on them. (laughs) Fred Bolitnikov joins us. Hey, uh, how cool is it when you call Steve Largent? And Charlie Joyner in the past, and James Lofton, and Angela calls him. You call him and say, "Here's the dates. We'd like you to come." And they're the, they're always the first guys who come right back and confirm all these legendary Hall of Fame wide receivers. Oh, that's it's unbelievable. You know, we have such a. You know what? I really appreciate you know because uh, of course you know being a wide receiver, I I really try to get a lot of guys that are that were wide receivers and are wide receivers. It, to come to the tournament because that that is always my priority. But to have those guys uh, show up every year and and be part of our foundation, be part of our tournament, it was the golf, the crab feed, whatever. Uh, it re- it really amazes me and it really it really helps us out. Number one, but it's just because you know our friendship has gone on for years and years, and I have so much respect for those guys, for all the guys that come to our tournament. I, I just have a ton of respect for them. And the greatest thing to be able to do is they're all good guys, you know, and that's what we've always worked on. And these guys are all first class. I mean, they're just first class guys. It's amazing. Amazing that we're able to put something like that together and have that type of guys in, 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 you know, socializing with groups, playing with groups, just being around and talking to people. Uh, They're very good and they've done a, a great, great job and really helped us out for a lot of years. Yeah, and, and Rich Gannon's been coming around the last couple of years more and more. He's pretty consistent, and Rich takes it seriously, and he's great, and he interacts with the fans. And Rich has been a nice addition over the years to come to this tournament because he really enjoys it, especially connecting with his teammates from his era, but the players from your era, and it's a really nice mix. Oh, yeah, to have Rich. I mean, to have Rich come in, it's a, it's a big boost for our tournament. It really is, you know. With his schedule and traveling and doing the broadcasting and everything and what he has to do, you know, with football, uh, on a radio, on TV, whatever, you know, for him to be able to take the time and be part of our tournament every year is just fantastic for us. I mean, we love having him. And, you know, I spent a lot of years when I was coaching, you know, around Rich and saw how he operated and what kind of guy he was and how dedicated he was and how competitive he was. Uh, it's just super. And we love having him. And we, we love every year 
where when he's able to make it, it really gives us a big boost. Fred Bolitnikoff joins us, the Hall of Famer. So let's talk Raider football. I haven't talked to you since Jimmy Garoppolo was named the starter. I like the move. I mean, I, I got to see what he can do, but he's won two Super Bowls as a backup. He's had playing opportunities. He wins over 70% of the time. You watch a lot of football, and we talked about what he can do in the red zone. And I really think, Fred, that's what the Raiders have to clean up now. And, you know, Derek had a great career here with the Raiders, but when it comes to Garoppolo now, talk about what you'd like to see better in the red zone here in the efficiency because Raiders got to put up a lot of points until they fix this defense and I think Garoppolo could really be an upgrade in the red zone and helping Devontae and Hunter and Jacoby Myers and all these other players get open and make some quick decisions well you know something I mean you really have to break down the field and you know for years the years I played and even even coached you know that was a big priority for us to be down in the red zone moving it from the 20, if he started at the 25, 20, 10, 15, all the way down. And you have to work so hard down there from the standpoint that you got to make sure that your players are used to being in that part of the field. It's shortened down a lot. Uh, they have to be able to run quicker routes, get open quicker, come up with catches, and a lot of times contested catches, so you got to battle for the ball a lot. But you really got to be disciplined down in that area. And, you know, having somebody like Jimmy being down in an area, which he's very good at, you know, and now you just got to have the rest of the team just as good as him down there and really, really use the field. You know, I mean, you're using the field more laterally mm-hmm. than anything, unless you start like at the 25, you got a little shot to the end zone. But everybody has to be quicker, faster, and know and have the feeling. You know, it's like years ago, we used to do so much work uh just just working in the end zone you know that was one of the priorities that you know you get your guys working in the end zone you know so if you're at practice you run your, all your routes where you're ending up in the end zone and you get the feel of the end line you get the feel of the sideline the back corner of the end zones uh you know right right on the goal line so you have a good feel that when you're down there you know it's not foreign to you you know, you know how to hack down there. You know how to perform down there. And you know what it takes to be. It's a different game down there. Hall of Famer Fred Bolitnikoff. So I want to stay on that. We've talked about this privately a bunch. You you really enjoyed that and took pride with that in extra work after practice and working in the red zone, especially with your toe tapping. And you mentioned battling for the ball. And I see so many highlights of you on NFL films where you were in the corner of the end zone. You were going up against Kansas City or other teams, and you were battling at the point, the height of your jump, to grab that ball, secure it, and then get your feet down in the end zone, let alone doing it at midfield and the extra work that you did with Daryl LaMonica, Kenny Stabler. Talk about that, Fred, because you're really making a strong point to these younger Raider fans on how much work has to be put in for red zone production. Oh, you, you, you know something? The thing about it is, you know, you have to know how to work in that end zone, you know? And the great thing, the advantage for me was, once we got to that 20, 25, 25, 20 yard line, you know, forget about the speed. Now you're into the quickness and who wants the ball more. That's all it becomes. And with me not having a great speed, you know, it, that, that part of the game came in better for me because, you know, I did have good, I did have good quickness. I did compete for the ball and I knew how to, how to, I knew how to act in the end zone. Let me put it that way. I knew how to perform in the end zone. And the awareness you have to have down there when you get in there 
is, is it just has to be second nature to you. You know, we always worked, uh, even like when I was coaching, part of my drills were, hey, listen, we're all going down there with the five-yard line. I want you guys catching balls in the end zone, mm-hmm. on the end line, in the corners, down by, you know, right off the goal line, uh, stay in on the sideline, and know that you don't have that much room to work, you know, downfield horizontally. You know, you got to make sure that, that you, you are quick enough and good footwork enough, and you got to compete. You know, it's just that you just have to want it more than the other guy. Fred Bolitnikov joins us. That's one of the things I'm really excited about with Garoppolo, with his ability to look off safeties and twitch and pump fake, kind of like Rich did in his prime down there, and the ball comes out quicker to guys who are wide open. You built a good relationship with the guys when you come in, such as Hunter, and you've talked to Devontae. Now Jacoby Myers comes in. I think this is a tremendous asset because of his size. He can play the slot. He can play opposite of Devontae. And, Freddie, and as we say, this offense runs through Devontae. When it's a critical pass, let him go get the 50-50 ball. Get him at short. Get him at the line of scrimmage. And last year we saw that Devontae could get behind the safeties and make a bunch of big plays. Well, that you know, that, that's the thing. You know, when, when you get those guys like Devontae – you have Myers now. You have Renfro. They all have that great quickness. They mm-hmm. all they all have that. Uh, they all have that sense of wanting to compete down there and score and and catch the ball and take the ball away because you know you get down there and uh, you know things open up and they're open up right now and they can close up that quick. You know, so when you had guys like Rich Gannon or Kenny and and uh, Daryl years ago and now with Jimmy. You know, they know how to get the ball in there quick, and you've got to be alert and you've got to be ready for it. But that, that group of receivers, uh, you know, they're built, they're built for the red zone. Yeah. And yeah. that's the one thing I like about it because they know how to compete. They know how to run routes. They have good footwork. Uh, they know how quick the ball comes out. I mean, you don't have a chance to monkey around uh, because the ball might hit you in a helmet or fly right by you. So you have to really be alert enough to know that, it's all quickness. It's all quickness and reaction. Fred Bolidnikov, as we wrap it up, we'll continue to talk about the golf tournament coming up and how you can play with Freddie and everyone else out there. So I wanted to discuss the draft for you because when you were established as a Raider and you came in and you know, you're playing there in Super Bowl two and you win this MVP of Super Bowl eleven, there were a lot of great players drafted behind you, but there wasn't immense turnover. Players played with one team, they played longer with one team, and now You've seen all the turnover with the Raiders as Dave Ziegler's trying to change this up a bit, got guys on one-year contracts. What was it like for you as you were established with the Raiders, your third or fourth year, and all of a sudden these epic draft classes are coming in behind you. Guys are fighting to the death to make the team, and you're building the team and continuing the success with new pro bowlers and a couple of future Hall of Famers. Well, you have, you have to know one thing. You know, Once you're there on a team and you're established, that's your job. And if you want to give it up, then you don't work to get better. Mm-hmm. And the more you, the the more time you spend in football, the years, the better you get, the better. But you have to stay on top of it each and every year. You know when uh, when we were when we were you know established, sort of say, you know we didn't worry about the draft. You know we didn't worry about who they brought in. It was the fact that you know that guy's not taking my job. I don't care who it is. You know, you got to go a long way to take my job, and everybody had that attitude, and so that's why we were really able to establish 
guys, if somebody wasn't able to play that game, the next guy up, he was he was, he can come in there and he can help carry the team for a game or two or a quarter or a half, whatever you might need from him. But but that was the the great thing about it is that that was your job, you know, and that's that's what you had that's what you were proud of that I'm the starter and that guy really has to work hard in order to take your job and you not, never let that make, make you complacent that that was your job. You had a battle for that job every year, and that's the great thing with Al. You know, you competed every single year, and if you wanted to be that guy starting, that's what you had to do. That's you simple. know, there's more to that story because you just mentioned Mr. Davis. You know what a maverick he was. Did he send a message? If he drafts a player, a linebacker or a corner, and those guys are there, they think they have their job. They're probably going to win it. But was that the way of Mr. Davis also saying we're improving the team? And, hey, even your position is up for grabs. I can imagine what the vibe must have been like at training camp when Mr. Davis is walking around with the outfit on and new players are coming in and he's building relationship with them. They, They might take a job from a veteran. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you this, okay? Without that was your job, but you got had to be aware that there might be somebody yeah. else that might take that job. So when you went to camp every single year, you never felt comfortable enough to know that you had that job 100%. You still had to compete for it. That was a great thing about Al. That's what kept, that's what kept everybody playing so hard and getting so good each every year was the fact that you know yeah you're 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 the starter but you know and there was always that but in there and you better be aware of when you heard that but you know that you better get your ass rolling because it's never going to be easy and that's that's what that's how he he made it for us is that you know you, hey you're competing you got to mm-hmm. compete you want to win. And you have to have that mental attitude and that strong, strong physical, mental toughness in you to be able to go out there and play. Uh, Fred Bolitnikoff, the Hall of Famer. Fred, finally, one more thing about the team. At the Adelson event where Mark Davis was honored, uh, you had a chance to see uh, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels. They were both kind enough to attend. You're getting to know them, and especially the GM, Dave Ziegler. I'd like to get a comment from you on him because you back this team. Mark Davis, you go back your Mark's entire life, and you want this team to win more than anybody I know. You're one of the great alumni in the history of this program here. How much support do you have for them now as they're trying to get this right? They deconstructed some of the roster. They brought in a lot of guys recently, and then they're coming into the draft, and they got to go big in the draft. they got to come out of this draft with some big-time success. Tell me what you think about these guys as they're now trying to fix this and get it right, especially Dave Ziegler, the GM. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's a whole different atmosphere nowadays with everything. Everything is so much media, this, that. But, you know, you have to have people that they, they're not into that. They, they can't pay attention to that. They're, they're single-minded about the team, and that's all they're concerned about is making the team better. Listen, the things that are going on like uh, last year, this year, whatever, that's part of football. That's going to happen all the time. There's no doubt about it. And you have to have two strong guys running the team. You know, you got to have a strong head coach. You got to have a strong general manager. And both those guys are. I mean, uh, I mean, I support both of them 100 percent because you know they they want to win. Mm-hmm. And you know, when they're in charge and they're looking at the team, 
okay, how can we make our team better? Well, there's a lot of a lot of times you have to make that team better. It's not a lot of people aren't going to be happy when you have to let people go mm-hmm. and replace them to get your team better. And that's just that's just part of the growing pains. That's part of being that's be, that's part of wanting to build a winner. And that's what those two guys are trying to do. Nicely said. It's the Bolitnikoff Golf Invitational, April 24th, Canyon Gate Country Club, Bolitnikoff.org. There's still a few foursomes left, and they go quickly. So, Freddie, I want fans to hang up the phone, go to the website, and get involved with this for the charity endeavors, the all, all the great things that surround this event, the legacy of your late daughter, Tracy. Tell everybody how they can get tickets, be a part of this, get out there and golf with all this, and be a part of such a special evening. Well, you know, you ju- you you just you just go on a website. Just go on bletnikoff.org. That'll take you to everything and explain everything to you and the different levels of, of participation we have, uh, what what those levels are. And, you know, everybody participate. We're doing a lot of great work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go on a website. It's very – the website's a great website. Angela's done a great job with the website. And it explains itself very easily, very simple mm-hmm. for everybody. And and you'll find a, a lot. We're doing a lot of good things, you know. We're we're now we're now with the St. Jude Children Ranch yep. that we're really making a big impact down there and being part of. So that's another part of our mission to get things going down there and be part of of the Las Vegas area, which Angela is doing a great job getting involved with people down there. And everybody's been very receptive, and and we love it. And uh, we're happy that we've moved our two big events down there. Absolutely. Well, the guest room's always ready for you at my house, but you always stay in these nice <laughs> VIP hotels, so I get a chance to come over and see you, and you're going to be staying through the draft, so from the golf tournament, yeah. you're going to be involved heavily with what the Raiders are doing with the draft coming up. That's exciting. I'm going to sit there, too, and watch it. I'll be watching it with you, I hope. <laughs> 100% at the Raiders draft party. I'm happy we could do this. Uh, Bolitnikoff.org. Yeah. Please go get some foursomes. Donate. Make a donation. Be a part of this. Freddie, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, man. Great to talk to you. Thank you, JT. You take care. See you in a couple weeks. You got it, Fred Bolitnikoff. What an honor. What a blessing and an honor. How cool is that to talk to that? You know, you listen to flagship radio stations around the country from the Niners to the Jets to the Lions. They don't have one of their great players on. And we got to help Fred and Angela. We got to help them. It's in the legacy of Tracy Bolitnikoff, right? Uh, Fred's daughter was tragically murdered. We've raised money. This is the 19th annual. I've done it every year, and they raise a lot of money. So if you can make it, go to Bolitnikoff.org, buy a foursome. You can be a Raider fan who's listening in Orange County or a Raider fan listening you know, in Florida and say, you know, that sounds like a good interview. I'm going to go and buy a plane ticket and go out there and support Fred and Angela, buy a foursome, come on out and play golf with all these Raider legends. And I'm telling you, what he's able to do with these receivers to see all the Hall of – they take a separate photo – Every year at this event with Steve Largent and Charlie jo- Joyner and Lofton and Timmy Brown and Jerry Rice, who's been there most of the time, they take that receivers-only photo, and you look at it, and you go, wow. And then they sign autographs, and they hang out, and they're good guys. So appreciate that Fred could click uh, kick off the show with us as we're ready to roll here. Brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. Uh, Golden Knights early tonight. It fits happy hour perfectly. Play in an early game, an early puck drop, go there for happy hour, and every single PTs in the Valley here has some type of massive promotion going on for their partners, the Vegas Golden Knights. Jeff Sherman is going to join us in about 25 minutes on the odds of the Masters, the moving odds on the Super Bowl, and the NBA odds are moving. I want to get to the championship game last night. UConn won. 
in dominant fashion over San Diego State. Once again, San Diego, one of my favorite cities still without a championship, without a championship in any major sport in college when it comes to that. That was really disappointing. Wanted to see them put up a better fight. Uh, Talk about the new quarterback. So Brian Hoyer is the new backup quarterback of the Raiders. Brian Hoyer, okay, ready? Everybody turn, turn the windows up so you can hear me. Brian Hoyer is an elite backup quarterback. Okay, I'm not talking starter. Jimmy G's here. You can't find a better backup quarterback in the NFL than Brian Bleepin Hoyer. Am I on board with that? Absolutely. If Brian Hoyer went to Denver instead of Stidham, I think he's just as good. If Brian Hoyer was the backup in L.A. or Detroit or Tampa Bay, he's a great, not good, backup quarterback. If your quarterback goes down, Brian Hoyer can pick up the offense and play quarterback for weeks on end. He's a good backup quarterback, okay? So everybody calm down. Everybody calm down in the Raiders. Oh, my God, like there's a rule. There's like a border. You can't come in with a Patriot. You can't get through the border of Raider Nation if you're a Patriot. Brian Hoyer is a fine backup quarterback. And if Jimmy, and I don't talk about future injuries, if Jimmy went down and Jimmy got injured, Brian Hoyer knows this inside and out. Inside and out, Brian Hoyer can run this offense any way you look at it so again uh, some of you fans that are triggered and you can't get over it you got to make a comment under the Raiders Twitter feed and all that uh, you're going to continue to do that welcome them to the Raider Nation you never know you might need them and a new Raider coach comes in we'll tell you about that on the other side who was one hell of a player too and hopefully benefits the silver and black we got a busy show, 702-365-9200. Follow up Fred Bolitnikoff and call the show. My goal, you know, each and every year from here going forward is to play in all the majors. I'm not going to play too much more than that. My body, my leg, just and my back just won't allow me to play much more than that anymore. So that that was my goal last year, and I was able to play three of the four this year. Hopefully I can play all four this year. Tiger Woods from earlier today. We'll get to that in a second. Vinny Bonsignor reporting. The Raiders adding Danny Amendola as an assistant coach. The former legendary multiple champion of the Patriots slot receiver comes in familiar with Jimmy G, Brian Hoyer. And I haven't taken my first Brian Hoyer call yet. I've taken Matt McGloin calls over the years. I've taken a call on everyone. I'm waiting for my first Brian Hoyer call. That's he's the new backup quarterback for the Silver and Black, 702-365-9200. We are brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence, the Botanist Gin. And what they're going to be doing with golf is amazing with all the new cocktails that they have out right there with the botanist gin our number one go-to gin product remy martin team up for excellence man what an honor when i found out we could go down at the bottom of the hour to augusta national close your eyes unless you're driving todd lewis joins us the great reporter and host he joins me every year from the masters and we get him in this time slot one of your happy places my friend i'm assuming great coverage so far how are you thanks for coming on uh, good, thank you. Professionally, it is incredibly fulfilling. Uh, it's our most watched week of the year on the Golf Channel. And, you know, we're kind of measured the same way the pros are, uh, and that is how you perform at major championships from a broadcasting perspective. So, yeah, yeah, we're, we're pumped and fulfilled here, no doubt. 
Todd, it feels really big to me. When we talk every year, it feels big. There's always a storyline. Scotty Scheffler having an opportunity to go back-to-back. Tiger, whose press conference was incredible earlier today. Phil and the Live Golfers. How does it feel for you? What's different for you about the field as you're walking Augusta National feeling about this one? Well, this is the first time that uh, the Masters has been played with a fracture in the sport in regards to in the sport rather in regards to live golf and PGA Tour. So, so that that is different. I mean, there are sides here. There are guys on the Live Tour wearing you know Range Goats hats and and Fireball shirts, and and, and then there are PGA Tour players who um, who don't, don't really. Some of them don't want to associate with the live golfers and, and vice mm-hmm. versa. But it's, it's, that's the oddest thing here. There's no complete unity. Now, I will say I haven't seen much friction between the two, two sides. I actually have seen more uh, gratitude and, and kindness reached out uh, from both sides. But there are still some uncomfortable moments here. And I think the most uncomfortable will be the champions dinner tonight when you know, there, there are six past champions that play and live golf. That'll be in that same room with, with Tiger Woods, who, you know, he's very much an opponent of liftoff and what he feels like it has done to the sport. Yeah, and that's a really important topic because I think the maturity level and the professionalism of golfers are at a higher level than most other athletes. So when Phil walks in as a three-time champion with his green jacket on and makes eye contact with Jack and makes eye contact with Tiger. You know, they're drinking the best wine in the world. They have an unbelievable menu. We're talking about uh, problems for great champions. I I hope everybody would get along and appreciate the fraternity in that room and how special it is to be invited to that dinner. Well, it's interesting. I I spoke one-on-one with Tiger today, and I asked him what what he feels like the temperature will be tonight. I, I frankly asked him what does he hope it will be tonight, and he said, what I hope it will be and what it will be are, frankly, two different things. He said that you know, live golfers are the gorilla in the room, and because of their decisions, um, you know, it's fractured the sport, according to him, and, and it's going to be awkward. Um, so, but, and that's his opinion, and that's nothing new. He's been, he's been voicing that for quite a while now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested, actually, just to hear how the live golfers feel in that room because they're the, yeah. they're the ones who made the decision to leave, you know, and you, can, you can't fault them. They made a business decision. Um, but you know, they, they come here, you know, feeling a little uneasy because things are completely different in the sport right now. Todd Lewis joins us. Love having him on. So, Todd, one more on that. I'm going to give you a hypothetical. If one of the live golfers are on the 18th tee and they're leading and they have a chance to win, which is a good chance, do you expect the live golfers to come out on 18 and to be there in solidarity? That would be, you want to talk about dramatic. You know, some guys leave if they don't make the cut, they get out of here. I get that. But if you got 10 or 11 live golfers standing off the putting surface on 18 on Sunday and DJ or someone's coming down as a live golfer to win, that would be a pretty dramatic moment in the history of Bobby Jones and the history of that golf course and all the great past champions. Well, Cam Smith said this yesterday. He said that he, and by the way, he is the only live golfer that um, came into the press building, into the media center, and gave an interview about the entire uh, media here. He did say that, that this is important for live golf to prove that they can play at a world-class level, compete, and win. So if, if given the scenario that you just 
put out there, JT, yes, I do believe there will be live golfers out by the green watching with great anticipation as one of their own tries to win the Masters here. Because if that happens, that will be huge for that organization. No doubt about it. Todd, I'm fascinated on the reconstruction of 13. So you come off 12, one of the most glorious part threes in the world. You walk to 13, and now they extend the tee box back. And Phil talked about having to hit a bomb to get it around the corner. A lot of golfers, even Tiger, the older golfers, talking about a layup or how to cut that shot and get a rollout here. Walk me through 13 and how it's changed and how that could affect going for the green in two or laying up. Yeah, it's been increased by 35 yards, this new tee box, and that's going to make it at 545 yards, which, to be honest with you, is not that long in regards to PGA Tour standards for a par 5. But the way that it is shaped now, there's a shoot that they have to tee off from, kind of like they do on 18. Um, but talking to some of the players, the shot, the tee shot is not as, a, as hard as it was in years past. In order for you to get yourself in position to try to go for the green, you had to hit a little bit of a draw. Well, now you could just hit a straight shot, and the contour of the fairway will move the ball left, but you have to hit driver. But you, you're going to, that second shot is the key. I mean, you're going to be hitting some of these players anywhere from the, you know, the big hitters like Rory McIlroy, he can hit a five iron, and other guys who just can't get there. And I think you're just going to see a lot more of the players laying up and not going for the screen in two, which if, if you think about that, that will reduce the number of eagles for sure here on that 13th hole, but it will mm-hmm. also reduce the numbers of bogeys and double bogeys because players are going to remain conservative. And for that reason, I don't see the stroke average on that hole changing much from this year compared to years past. I'll wrap it up with Todd Lewis. Todd, I was surprised in the press conferences. I heard all the talk not so much about technology, but bringing the golf ball back a bit from the amateur golf ball to the pro, how to find that freedom in the middle. Tiger even talked about it. What could you say about that discussion going forward on the power and the rollout of the golf ball? And how do you possibly bring that back a bit? Well, you know, the USGA and the RNA put out a proposed local rule where, you know, events at high, that feature high level amateurs and, and professionals where they could use a ball that, We'll probably, we'll say roughly we'll go about 10 yards less. Um, some players are for it. I'm actually surprised Rory McIlroy is for it. Um, he and Tiger Woods are for that. Others are against it. I can tell you the PGA Tour right now initially is not very excited about that local rule, and they, they are you know, weighing all the circumstances and the consequences, and um, I, I'm interested to see what they do. I mean, here's what could happen. I mean, the PGA Tour could say, we're not going to use this this ball that doesn't go as far. We're going to use the same ball that we've been using, whereas the USGA for the U.S. Open and the RNA for the Open Championship, they could use that reduced flight ball. So you won't have uniformity on the highest level of the pro game. Uh, you know, you have two major championships, and maybe even three. Who knows? Augusta National may adopt that rule as well that will use two different balls uh, in, in, in competitive golf. It would be really, really odd if that happens. Uh, Todd, finally, I can't wait in more of your exclusive conversation with Tiger Woods. I was fascinated when Tiger talked about how he doesn't play a lot of golf anymore, but how he could play sharp. And he talked about playing at home and trying to figure out and play the chip shots, the identical 
chip shots in the short game, and that's really the only advantage he has. And I could talk about that with you on a podcast for two hours because it's not Augusta National, but he knows every shot, I think, probably better than even Jack and other great winners. He can go anywhere on that golf course below, under any hole, know the break, the chip, how to roll it back, how to stop it. And he really sold that today at his press conference on how he's not playing and he hasn't played since Los Angeles, but he could work on that short game. And the short game is the only way that he can compete and believe he can win there. And I love that conversation because I buy into that if he makes the cut and his short game's dialed in. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's got all the shots and he's got such great experience around here. Uh, this is his 25th start, by the way. He's never missed the cut as a professional. Uh, and he's got five green jackets, so he knows obviously how to play this golf course. The issue is going to be endurance uh, because, I mean, we all know this. It doesn't matter what the sport is. If you're physically worn down, then mentally that affects you as well. Um, and the problem with his, his right leg, specifically his right ankle, that gives him the most uh, issue uh, because it's shattered. It's got a lot of hardware in there, and because there's so many joints, it's arthritic. Um, you know, here, it's it's a very difficult walk, maybe the most difficult walk on the PGA Tour, and the weather forecast is not great. There's rain every day in the forecast, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That means this ground is going to be wet, and that's a heavy walk now. And secondly, it's going to be cold on the weekend. High on Saturday is about 55, and that doesn't help anybody who's got some 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 joint problems, which Tiger has. So he's going to have to fight through that. If he can endure that, get great physical therapy, you know, I, and, and just keep his mind sharp while his body you know, fights off the pain, then, then yeah, he's got a shot. But it, I, I would say it, it may be a long shot, but who knows? We, we have counted him out many times before, and that obviously is a mistake. Todd, last one quickly. I want you to save your pick up podcast and what you're doing with your big job but do you have a favorite that you really like peaking coming into this and do you have a mid to level long shot that you think could be someone we should all keep an eye on well i do think that Rory mangroy seems as prepared as he's ever been for the masters um he he's got this new putter which is actually a replica of the putter that he used to win his first two major championships the 2011 u.s open and 2012 pga championship he came here Two weeks ago, and how about this foursome? He played with his dad. He played with a very successful businessman who's a member here named Jimmy Don, who's also on the PGA Tour Policy Board, and Tom Brady. <laughs> and uh, they played three rounds in two days, and, and Rory shot 67, 67, 66. And in one of those rounds, he had only 19 putts. On these greens, that's remarkable. So he feels really confident with the equipment he has and, and the approach he has mentally, emotionally. Uh, and mechanically and strategically as well. So I, I think he's going to have a good showing. I think he's going to be in the mix come Sunday. Um, I would not sleep on Patrick Cantlay. Uh, he has a great mindset. He's playing well right now. I feel like he is ready to cross that threshold with a major championship, and I think it, it might happen this year. Thanks, Todd. Always appreciate your time. A very busy week. Thanks so much for your friendship, your analysis. Have a great week at Augusta National. Thank you. You got it, JT. Love to come out with you. Appreciate you. Todd Lewis, how good of an interview was that? We got him down in Augusta. Really cool. I appreciate him doing that. Probably was going to do it tonight on my show live, but he can only do it here now. Understandably, he had the exclusive with Tiger. And how about Rory playing three rounds with Tom Brady, shooting 67-67-66. That's pretty interesting. All right, we'll go to the Westgate. Jeff Sherman will talk about the moving odds, what happened last night with UConn's victory. And some Super Bowl odds that have changed coming up next.
this is becoming a family dynasty, if you will. And Dutch, what a year he's had, too. Hurley and the Huskies have their dreams come true. It's Jim Nance with the final call. Jim Nance's final broadcast on CBS for the NCAA tournament. JT, back with you. What a first hour. We had Fred Bolitnikoff, the MVP of Super Bowl Eleven. Todd Lewis just joined us live from Augusta National. Now let's go out to Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate Superbook. And Jeff, let's begin with last night in UConn, uh, UConn winning that game and covering the spread. And I didn't think they would when San Diego State cut that to five late in the game. Talk about the handle and the liability on that game last night. Yeah, the handle was pretty solid. And, uh, you know, not as much as we've seen when you get the Blue Bloods playing uh, in the championship game, but it was pretty solid and a lot of late money. Uh, the public was really all over UConn. You know, we opened the line six. It got as high as seven and a half. Took some sharp money plus seven and a half. Uh, but the public was every which way involved with UConn. Yeah, I thought early in the game, uh, San Diego State had a 10-8 lead. It got out really fast. And I thought, you know, it was going to go over the total. And then there was some droughts with San Diego State throughout the game. They had four droughts where they didn't score. At one point, it was almost 10 minutes without a field goal there. How did that affect the total at the end coming down to the wire? Well, it was crazy in the first half. The first half total was 60-and-a-half, and it landed 60. And look at one of those droughts that you're talking about. They had a long stretch in the first half. But uh, the, the, in the second half, it, it ended up going over the total. You know, it, we got as high as 132-and-a-half after opening 131, and it ended up pushing over the total. And so you got favorite and over in that situation. Jeff Sherman joins us. So when you look at the tickets ahead of the tournament on UConn to win it all, they were a four seed. Thought it was heavy on Houston, Purdue, Kansas, the one seeds overall. When did you start seeing UConn money in the Big East? When did you get a kind of a nod that UConn could be a team that could do some damage? Well, right before the tournament started, we saw some sharp play on them at twenty to one, and it drove them down to about fourteen to one. So, uh, right those days leading right up to the tournament, you know, we opened UConn sixty to one prior to last season, mm-hmm. just some public money at those odds. But the sharps got, really got involved at twenty to one right before the tournament. Uh, let's move to the Masters, and I know you have 50 tournament and 80 propositions available at Superbook Sports. And I want to begin, first off, with one that I love. Will a live golfer win? Yes, plus 450. No, minus 600. There's some, I, was there, I think there's 17 live golfers playing or 18 here total when you look at the number and a couple of really good ones at the top. Talk about setting that number and the odds up for that. Yeah, there's 18 live golfers, and it starts at the top with Cameron Smith and Dustin Johnson, and that's how I set it. Uh, yes, plus 500, no minus 700. And then this past weekend, Brooks Kepka ended up winning as a 40 to one long shot in the mm-hmm. live tournament, and his odds for the Masters went down from 80 to one down to 40 to one. So I incorporated that into this price, went plus 450 on a live golfer winning minus 600 that they wouldn't. We did see today some sharp play against the live golfers, and it's driven the price up to. No minus 800, yes, plus 550. Okay, that's current Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management at the Superbook here at the Westgate in Vegas. And then I love this one, Tiger Woods to make the cut. Uh, give us the odds on this one for Tiger, who looked good making the cut at Riviera at the Genesis. Yeah, I opened this last week at yes, minus 150, no, plus 130 to make the cut. Uh, initially yesterday I saw some uh, some play on the no. It drove it down to yes, minus 140. And then the public really got involved over the last couple of days, and it's driven it all the way up to minus 180 on the yes now. So, you know, that's a more realistic thing that people can get involved with with Tiger is the cut aspect because that's what we've seen him do 
over the last year. But winning outright, we're still seeing a lot of support for him winning outright. I just took a thousand dollar wager on him at eighty to one yesterday, so he's at sixty to one. But for realistic chances of cashing a ticket, the cut has seen a lot of public support up to a dollar eighty. So you move that to sixty to one. Let's talk about the favorites. Uh, the odds for Scheffler, McElroy, and Rom. I think the winner comes out of that group. I like the way Jordan Spieth has played so far. So let's go Spieth, Rom, McElroy, Scheffler, uh, and what's changed here over the last couple of days. Well, Spieth has seen some action at twenty to one. He's driven down to eighteen to one, and the other three that you mentioned, Scheffler, Rom, McElroy, they're the only ones in single digits. And right now we have McElroy seven, Scheffler eight, Rom nine. Rom hasn't been seeing the type of action he saw early in the season because he's fallen out of form a bit. So his odds have eased back up. Really starts with McElroy and Scheffler. And just as you mentioned about thinking the winner should come out of those three, I do have a prop up, those three against the field. And you can get those three as an entry at plus 225 or bet against them at minus 265. Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management at the Westgate as we wrap it up. So I, I see there's a love affair brewing with the Lakers. Anthony Davis has looked like a beast. LeBron's come back healthy. Uh, they switched up the team at the trade deadline. The Warriors can't win on the road, but I know public money is going to come in on the Warriors for the NBA title or to win the West. So walk me through the Lakers and the Warriors and what's changed here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, both those teams have been dropping and seeing a lot of support, especially with the return of Andrew Wiggins, which is imminent. So that's going to help the Warriors out. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting to see this fight for the sixth seed because whoever gets number five is going to play Phoenix in the first round. So it's beneficial to end up <clears throat> number six and not have to play Phoenix, and you end up getting Memphis, Sacramento, that group. So, uh, But the Lakers look like, you know, they're just trying to win every game, and they got a big game with the Clippers tomorrow. They're getting a lot of public support. They're all the way down to 14-1 to 1 for the title. And if they get into the playoffs and get one of those top five or six seeds, you're going to see it really uh, translated into the series prices where the public's going to be involved with them. So uh, th- those odds are going to continue to keep dropping the way they're playing. Last one, a general baseball question with the pitch clock. How that could affect the run totals? Is there anything that jumps out at you at the start of Major League Baseball with the pitch clock and how that's affecting the in-game uh, the first five, what you're seeing with run totals? Well, we've seen a mix so far on the total mm. runs. And early on, there were some games that really uh, went under. And yesterday, we had just about everyone go over. So we're just trying to feel that out. But you see a lot of the totals a little bit lower than what you had seen last year as far as from a betting perspective. But the results so far have come in mixed. Follow him at Golf Odds, especially this time of year. He's the best in the business with the Masters. Jeff, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Thanks so much for the time, sir. All right, thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. Why do we have him on? Because he sets the odds. And I saw Jay Cornegay and Jeff. They took care of my son and my nephews a couple of weeks ago there uh, for the Sweet 16 weekend. And that sports book, wherever you're listening to me, when you go to the Westgate Superbook, sharpest book in the world, it was gorgeous, it was great. The greatest gamblers in the world go there for the sharpest odds. And the hospitality was fantastic. Thanks to Jeff, Jay Cornegay, and everybody over at the Superbook at the Westgate. Three long interviews to start the show. I'll open it up with some Vegas Golden Knights at the top of the hour, a mock draft guest coming up, and your phone calls at 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. If you get into an accident, 702-222-9999.